episode 116 is here everybody and uh there are not many more stories that blow your mind uh much more so than the one that we have today with barbara marlowe and her daughter tiba um how two people can come into contact with each other from opposite ends of the world um and forever be linked and and uh through through tragedy through uh some horrific events how those can breed such loving and beautiful events and uh, becoming family. Uh, it's just a mind-blowing story. Uh, if you haven't seen it, they've got a book out, uh, A Brave Face. It's been out for about a year. You can buy the book on Amazon. We've linked it in the show notes. It's incredible uh, how the uh, a young Iraqi girl, uh, Tiba, at the age of four years old, ends up coming to the United States and um, really has never looked back since because of her loving family, Barbara and Tim Marlowe. So uh, incredible story. We get into all of it here in the uh, next episode. Please, folks, be prepared to be blown away here. Episode 116 with the two and only Barbara Marlowe and Tiba. The Optimal Life. You're like, we've done this a time or two. This is no big deal. <laughs> How are you guys doing today? Good, thank you. I'm good. We're just trying to, you know... I think that's somebody's phone. Yeah, I forgot to turn it off. You need me to... Uh, Here we go. Sorry about it's that. It's a good way to start this uh, episode. It's a little, yeah. a little chair for Sorry you. Sorry about that's that. Good. Yeah. Uh, anyway, just trying to, you know, keep up with the social distancing and... Washing and rewashing my hands and carrying around the wipes. It's a little disconcerting to say the least. It's like a depressing time. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is there to do? I'm read. I'm so bored. Read. Read. What is reading? People could read, <laughs> and I know a good book they could read. I do too, and I'm staring at it here. So, yeah. uh, um, thank you for coming on. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know the book came out about a year ago. Um, and I assume it's been a, it seems like it's been a whirlwind, um, not only in the, probably the past year or two, but really the past 17 years, we'll call it, right? 16, 17 years. So I want to start by asking you, Barb, take us back to 2003. It was 2003? Well, no, 2006. 2006. Yeah. I'm sorry. Take yeah. us back to 06. Okay. When you first were introduced to Tiba. Well, it was I was actually introduced to her through a newspaper article in the Plain Dealer, and uh, Tim and I were heading out to play golf, and I picked up the newspaper, and there was this gorgeous little girl sitting on her father's lap. She was four years old, and uh, the article was about children in Iraq that needed multiple surgeries and couldn't get them. The surgeons were fleeing the country, and here was this beautiful little girl she had these severe burn scars sitting on her dad's lap at four years old. And her dad, the, one of the bylines was, you know, he wanted to get her help that she would need. And I was so mesmerized with her eyes. I was so captivated. And uh, the backstory was when she was 19 months old, she was in a, um, their, the vehicle that they were in hit an IED. And she was with her dad and her three-year-old brother, and he was killed, and Tiva was severely burned. Do you remember that? You can't remember that, do you? No, I don't remember it well. I have, like, bits and pieces of memories, like, from my childhood in Iraq. So, but you were, because you were less than two years old yeah. when that happened. So, you don't remember, um, obviously, that. But, so, I guess, you're less than two years old, this terrible event happens um do you, what's what are your memories then over the next several years if anything of your childhood between the ages of two and four in iraq um i have a lot of memories my first memories i think um are in the hospital after the bombing and i didn't have my eyesight but i remember my family coming and sitting with me and praying and like if we had good news, they would play music and I would dance. Um, and then just life in Iraq as a child, I think, I mean, when I think back to it, it was mostly happy. My, my mom shielded me as much as she could from uh, the what was happening around us. But um, I don't know. I was just always dancing and eating and playing with other people. It's almost, it just seemed like normal. 
it seemed like a normal everyday thing for yeah you. you become used to it and in 2006 if you recall we were at war the united states was you know in iraq uh, at that time too we were getting rid of the regime or attempting to right mm -hmm. um yes yeah, that's that's interesting to go back to those those real early early memories. Um, did you feel like there was sadness around the family? I mean, obviously you lost a loved one, and in this terrible uh, bombing, um, was there a lot of sadness around, or did it just kind of seem like everyday life, everything was overall fine? No, there was there was a lot of sadness. My I think my whole family was really in a depression and. I didn't really understand it back then, right. and I remember always asking my mom and dad, why are you crying, what's going on, because how could I understand it? But I mean, now it makes perfect sense, and they had to pretend to be happy, because I was always asking them to play with me and whatever, but um, no, every, everything changed. They had to be strong for you, of course. Yeah. What a crazy way to live. We take it for granted, living in this country. Yes, we that do. we don't have to worry about driving down the roadside over an IED or getting mm -hmm. shot at by terrorists. Right. Overall, yeah. we don't have these things to deal with. That's that's everyday life. And there are very strong uh, people and very kind. Uh, Tiba's family is um, the best people that I have ever gotten to know. They are just like us. I mean, if you were to they were to walk into this room they are no different just as if I feel like I would walk in there and I would be no different great great people so 2006 mm -hmm. you come across this plain dealer article mm -hmm. here in Cleveland and you see her sitting on her father's lap I've seen the picture uh, I've saved the picture and um, something happens what's the feeling that you get it was very spiritual um, I was just completely overcome and I've always said it was like the room blacked out around me. That sounds so hokey, but it was true. And all I could focus on was uh, those big brown eyes. And I just remember feeling like I had, I had to reach out to her. I had to respond to her dad's request. And I just set out on this mission that this is what I had to do. It was in my heart. But when you say you wanted to reach out to her, what were you hoping that that would come up? What did you want to do? I didn't she... know. I mean, it, it's the craziest thing. I've never done anything like this before, but I just felt like um, I had to try to get her here to get her the help that her family wanted her to have and the opportunity that her family wanted her to have. So, I mean, I just started by emailing the correspondent and asking them if her that I would be willing to take the steps to help her and if her family would give her permission to come and uh, so initially it was just I need to help this this young girl yeah so I emailed the correspondent he was in Baghdad and he was the one that had done the interview with Tiba and her dad and he reached because the uh, correspondent had told her father that uh, don't really expect anybody to respond. You know, it's very, very unlikely. They live in a very remote village in a province. And so um, the chances of anybody really reaching out and being able to navigate that political quagmire at that time sure, were sure. slim. So uh, when I contacted them, and then of course he contacted Tipa's family, and uh, they agreed this was something that they had been looking for. So we set we embarked on that journey, which was which consisted of a year of going three steps forward and two back, and right. four steps forward and three back. Yep. So the, that that year in '06 to '07 time frame mm -hmm. was a lot of communications, and then you feel like you're making progress. We're going to get there, and then something happens. We right. get stalled. Progress stalled. Those kind of right. things. Well, it was difficult because, uh, as I said, we were at war. So now you're trying to bring a, a four-year-old girl, at the time she was four, to the United States from a country that we're at war with. Mm -hmm. And although she was my priority, uh, this was nobody else's priority. And in my mind it should be, but it wasn't. And so uh, we were met with a lot of roadblocks. And it was actually trying to navigate through our government, the Iraqi government, getting her here, getting everything set up at the hospitals. How was that going to work? What would she need? 
and it was Jeez. just and um, it would be very frustrating. It became. And I assume it became consumed every day for you. It was consuming. In this time period. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was consuming, and, and it probably week. ramped up every yeah. day or every yeah. week, month. Yeah, and I would drive people crazy, mm. you know, with trying to make those baby steps. And I remember standing in my driveway one day and uh, screaming at God, and I was mad. And I'm standing there and having a temper tantrum and just being um, obstinate. And I remember saying you know why aren't you helping me and what good are you and and you've got her in my heart and you're not helping me and what's the point of all this and just carrying on and as I turned to come back in the house at my feet was a golf ball marker which was very odd and I picked it up and I turned it over and it said God loves you and at that moment I knew everything was going to be okay Wow. and um, I felt actually at peace and That's incredible. Uh, the the short story, and it's of course explained in more thorough detail in the book. But uh, she ended up arriving one year to the day that I first read about her. No kidding. Mm -hmm. What's the date? July sixteenth, two thousand seven. Do you guys celebrate July sixteenth every year? Well, I do all the time. <laughs> you celebrate yeah. it every day, probably. It's like a birthday, yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. And what was Tim going through? I assume he was getting into the just as involved as you were through this process. They're laughing. Yeah, because he really didn't know. I mean, he didn't really know what I was planning on doing. I mean, he knew it, but he didn't know it because it seemed impossible. So far-fetched. But he knew that once I set my mind to something that I can be like a dog on a bone, and I just wasn't going to let this go. Wow. So July 16th, 2006. You see the picture. Right. 12 months later, July 16th. What is the chances of yeah. that? I mean, when you think about that, you know, you it go, could have been put, any other go time. Put go put 365 pieces of paper in a bucket, and the odds of you pulling out that one date are 1 out of 365. What are yeah. the odds? Yeah. That's, that's, that's yeah. the odds. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's it. That's pretty symbolic. So I, I assume when so she so okay so she comes finally. Mm -hmm. I you assume that you're airport. anxious, you're excited, you're nervous. It had to be everything. Oh yeah, those I was emotions. So, I was so excited and like you said, and anxious and afraid and and now that I did this, now what am I going to do? <laughs> right, know? And, right, right. Uh -oh. And like, uh oh, yeah. wait, this really <laughs> happening now? And what if she's here? What if she hates us? And you know. There was like so many things that go through your head, and and uh, we had no idea how this was going to play out because we did not look at anything long term. And uh, we went to the first doctor's appointment, and the doctor said that uh, this could take two or three years. And and Tiva's grandmother brought her, and her eyeballs just about popped out of her head because there was no way she was going to leave her husband and her family and live in the United States for that long. The grandmother. The grandmother. It yeah. was just the grandmother and Tiba. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So um, he came up. Uh, the her surgeon, Doctor Arun Gosain from he was at Rainbow Babies and Children's Hospital, said that he would do a process called tissue expansion, where they put a balloon type device under good skin, and she had good skin on her neck. And every week we would fill up this balloon with a saline solution and it would con continue to expand and expand and expand. And when it got to a certain size, they would she'd go back into the hospital, they would take the expander out, remove the burned skin, and pull up the new skin and attach it. And Jeez. then when that healed, and it would be months, then they would expand the new skin and just keep pulling it up like you would pull up a glove. Because to put this in perspective, Tiba's gone years now since the horrific event mm -hmm. without any real care in Iraq. Is that fair to say? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's I mean, probably some try. medical care. They try, yeah. but yeah. not nearly the same of what they can get. Well, get it did here. more damage than good. Yeah. How so? Uh, they just didn't have the right techniques. There were, there weren't any like. It seemed like the doctors weren't trained how to uh, deal with the burns. They were using water and rags like it, it, it just wasn't just trying to do anything mm -hmm. to yeah calm down the yeah trauma and, and burns have to be treated at that time and i don't know what if it's changed now since with powders and they like that 
guilty but said they were using water so it was counterintuitive to what they should have done which made it even worse yeah you know and when you think of a little little um 19 month old i mean you have to strap her hands down so she doesn't touch her face and you know the anxiousness of of being constricted and they had no compassion they were just really aggressive and they, they didn't they didn't hear crying or complaining they were just doing a job jeez that is so intense yeah you think about 19 months old Gosh, I mean, think about it with your daughters. That's what I, I go right? right to my daughters because yeah. that's not, as a, I've got three girls and I go right to that. I go right to that. That's so heartbreaking, yeah. unbelievable. And it was very difficult for her, for her mom and um, her dad because you know here they had lost a son and they could potentially lose their daughter. So, so she comes here. With, how long are they here? Do you remember the, when you first met Barb or Mom and your mom and dad? When you met Barb and Tim, what was that feeling like? Do you remember? Um, well, I was, so I was five years old and I was getting off the plane. And we had been traveling for so many hours. And I, my grandma didn't let me sleep on the plane. She didn't let me eat anything. Um, it was like I had to be on the lookout the whole time and I remember like getting off the plane I was just exhausted and I everyone was coming up to me with cameras trying to hug me like saying weird I couldn't understand what was what anyone was saying they were saying all this stuff to me and I remember just wanting to go to sleep and I um I obviously didn't know I, I didn't understand the gravity of the moment but would you have, there was media there at the airport? Yeah, uh, yeah. Monica Robbins came because Monica was very instrumental in helping. And at that time, um, someone from University Hospital was, was there, Don uh, McClung, because the University Hospitals wanted to record everything because the hospital had committed to treat her and they needed to see her in order to fulfill that commitment in order to diagnose her. So mm. this was a really big deal uh, for both Monica, because she helped me that whole year, and for the hospital. That's and when we, you were able to wait at the, right when they get out the gate back in those days, right? No, or no or it was no, already changed. It was, it was, it was already, already changed. We had to get special yeah, permission. Yeah. We had to get special permission. Okay, and okay. In fact, um, they had missed their flight. I mean, I was pacing back and forth, oh, and then geez. I found out they, you know, the plane emptied and they weren't on it, and I panicked, and found out that they had missed their connection. Oh my God! And but they would be on the next one. <laughs> You're and, like, how much more torturous yeah, can this get? <laughs> she got off that plane, and Tim and I just started to cry. Oh, sure. It's like such a relief, and she's such a like 32 pounds of cuteness. Right. You know, I couldn't wait to just hug her, but I was afraid because. You know, I didn't want to come on too strong. Sure, sure. You said your grandma what had you on the lookout. What did you mean by that on the airplane? Oh, well, my grandmother is just a really traditional lady. She she never really went outside of the village. She didn't know any life other than the one she lived. And I think, uh, especially traveling, like it was just such a weird concept for her. And she felt being in American territory especially, it was like us against them and I I think she was scared more than anything and tried to act tough paranoia just from lack of experience Mm -hmm. lack of yeah and the media we had back at home I remember the news was always on and like there was always so much talk about Americans trying to hurt us and Bush trying to hurt it was everyone against us Mm. like that was a genuine belief well now we see how powerful the media is Mm-hmm. And, and not in a good way, yeah. Not in a good way. But we see mm-hmm. how influential they are. They could put anything that you see on that TV screen. Mm-hmm. Most likely you're going to buy it. So I'm sure the, the rhetoric back then was the big bad wolf. The Americans are terrible right. people. Bush is uh, an enemy because they didn't want Saddam Hussein being ousted. Was that, the, was that what we're talking about or was this well, prior? No, that was during that time. Uh, but... Uh, it was right after he was uh, ousted. It However, was. I mean, her grandmother, and she said something that was really um, important for us to know, and that was they wanted to, although he was a bad person and a bad guy and did bad things, he kept order. And without him there to keep order, everything fell apart, which is exactly what happened. And it was hard for her. 
she arrived in a hijab and she had her her culture and her customs and she gets off the plane and it is completely different mm-hmm. you know so I'm sure there were a lot of things that she saw that were really shocking yeah she's going what am I doing yeah. <laughs> and who are they and how are they dressed yeah. like that and yeah 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 that had to be culture shock yeah. 101 right yeah. there yeah so she stayed with us um, until right after Thanksgiving uh, so she was there for a yeah, few she, months. Yeah, she lived with us. Okay, yeah. A few months. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So what happens? You go through the, the surgeries are going on here, mm-hmm. and uh, over those course of those several months, um, they're living in your home. Mm-hmm. Um, so you said she stays with you guys until November. Do you guys both go back at that time? No, Tiba never goes back. She Tiba never, never went back. Yeah, because. If she were to leave, I don't know if I could get her back. And she's in the middle of procedures. And it was, you know, I can't leave tissue expanders in her forever. If she were to go back and I couldn't get her here, what would we do with the medical device that's in her? So, wow. So and you her, never, that, that, that day you never, you've been here ever since. Yeah. That's and her amazing. family uh, was very adamant about her not coming back. They wanted her to have these procedures. I mean, they just loved her enough to let her go. And so it was, it was very, very hard. And, and I remember the day of her first surgery. Um, we're all sitting there in the waiting room, and it's a very, very anxious, anxious time. And I get an email from a relative who spoke very little English, but enough that I could communicate with him. And he worked for the Red Crescent, which is comparable to our Red Cross, mm-hmm. telling me that her uncle, Tiba's uncle, Tiba's father's brothers, two of them were shot. One died, the youngest one died, and the oldest one survived. But don't tell the grandmother that her son had died. And that was a horrible thing to live through those few months because our heart would break knowing that, you know, we knew this information and we couldn't tell her because it wasn't up to us. They had asked us not to. And knowing that at the point when she left, she was going to go home to some very horrific news. Oh, jeez. So mm-hmm. you're going through that process. Mm-hmm. At what point do you and Tim say, we just wanted to initially help, but oh my God, these feelings toward of love toward this young girl uh, are developing. I mean, what's that process like to go from help to potentially making this person a part of the family? You know, it's such an odd thing, and I sometimes I never quite can wrap my head around how to answer that. Um, the minute she arrived, I loved her before she got here. Uh, and when she came, I knew that we were just going to do whatever we needed to do to help her. And we were in constant communication with her family, so everybody was on board and knew what was going on. Um, and we took things in very small increments of time because I've always said multiple times if we were to look at the big picture, it would have been very difficult to take the first step. So we just worked on weeks or a couple months at a time. And then when we got through that, then we would keep going further. And uh, before you know it, you know, now almost 13 years has gone by. Did you know, though, did you know in that short period of time between July when she arrives and November when her grandmother's leaving? Do you know when her grandmother's leaving, like, she's staying with us? Yes. You do? Oh, yeah. So it's a short window there yeah and her father said for the grandmother to come home because grandma's husband was having a breakdown over there because of everything that was going on and they knew she would be safe with us and they trusted us i mean think about this for a minute think about you're at war with a country or in conflict not really war but a conflict and you are letting your four-year-old or five-year-old daughter go to visit people you've never met, you don't know, to a country you're in conflict with. I mean, that has to be a tremendous amount of trust and faith. And so uh, I've never forgotten that. And that has always been my priority uh, to maintain good relationships with her family and good communication. And I mean, we love them as if I love her like she was my sister, you know, or my daughter. And during this time, I mean, there were all kinds of little signs that we got that this was supposed to be this way. Um, 
Tiba was, her grandmother had left and Tiba was five and she's laying in bed and she says, you know, mom, um, how come you didn't have any kids? And that was a really difficult uh, topic for me to respond to. It was very hard. And five years old, she says, well, I don't, I'm sorry, let me backtrack a little bit. And and I said, well, you know, honey, God had other plans for me. And I talked about being involved with an animal rescue and all kinds of other other things. And she says, well, don't you know? And of course, I responded, know what? And she says, well, my brother and your mother sent me to you to be your daughter. And I'm looking at her and it's it's like not registering right. But then it hits me that the accident, and I always call it that, was in 2003 when her brother died. And my mother passed away in 2003. And she's telling me that the two of them sent her to me to be my daughter. And at the time, she didn't even know my mom had passed away. I mean, she barely spoke English. Right. So, you know, it was very prophetic. Talk about spiritual higher power. And yeah. Do you remember that? Um, yeah, some of it. So you remember, like, blurbs, bits and pieces of that? Yeah, I remember saying a lot of weird things for a five-year-old to say. Mm-hmm. What was the feeling like when you're, you've come to the society, you're now... I mean, you've only been in the world for five short years, and you experience more than most people experience in a hundred, uh, unfortunately in a pretty horrific uh, manner. And now you're being thrown into a new society with new people um, who don't look like you. What was, the, what was that early stages for you, when, especially after your grandmother left? Um... Well, when my grandmother was still here, it was kind of like a dream because, I mean, it would be any young Middle Eastern child's dream to leave their country and go, it's America. Like, everyone dreams about America. Um, when she left, it definitely got harder, but that's also when um, I got closer with Tim and Barbara, who I now call mom and dad. And um, I kind of, I started becoming quote-unquote American then. But uh, like my mother mentioned, she didn't let me forget my other family, that we were one family. She didn't let me lose my culture and who I was. Were there ever a point in time, in, in the early years especially, where your mother and... I know you said they said they put all their faith in you guys, which is... It's hard to comprehend the magnitude of this mm -hmm. dynamic. It's just hard to wrap your head around. As you say, conflict between two countries somewhat of a war, um, a lot of diplomatic and bureaucratic changes and political climate and clashing and and uh, people that you don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard to believe that this happened the way it did. It's really remarkable. Um, but with that said, uh, was there ever a point in time where your parents kind of were saying, well, we, we want Tiba back? We want Tiba back now. Yeah, there was a lot of that um, over the years for di <clears throat> for different reasons. But I think mainly um, my grandma wanted me back because <clears throat> she thought it looked bad for the family. I th would you agree with that? Yeah. She thought it looked like we were, we were, that my family had sold me to Americans, something on... Something they're, like that. Um, they're very. Tri the she, community she's from is very tribal, so that explains. Yeah, the and she mindset. she let and it's like a village that they live in, and she let the other village villagers um, rumors and talk kind of get to her, and then my grandma being so close with my dad, um, I think she kind of manipulated him into thinking that I was supposed to come back and that he was doing a wrong thing, even though he he originally wanted it. He let my grandmother get into his head. Mm. And um, I think the one person that's remained like steady on this saying, like, I have to be here is my mom. And she's the one that has been fighting against everyone. Um, and she calms my dad down and gets him back to seeing that this is a good thing. Um, but for the most part, everyone knows that this is what's better for me in the long run. When was the... Um, so you she starts becoming your child full-time. I assume there's a, an adoption process that took place? What is that? Yes. Okay. But 
in 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 my mind and in her mom's mind because we talked about all kinds of things it's it's like she's we're like one family i mean it's not like i'm her mom and dunya is not we're together i mean we're we're a team and uh i mean good bad or indifferent you know in from tiba's perspective you know, having two moms and two dads can probably be a little overwhelming, but <laughs> but um, she's just got double the love. So, you know? so you, and you've got yeah. parents that live close, and then your parents that live on the other side of the of yeah. the world. And but you have two sets of parents that love you, and they love you. And yeah. through all of this, uh, and through that conflict at that time, and through all the things throughout the the years, and it it applies today in our political climate how we were never divisive and we never thought of each other as them against us Mm -hmm. we don't talk about politics and religion and all of that i mean we just love her and we want what's best for her and her mom and i in all these years uh have never we and we always have a translator you know on, on some occasions but we always we don't we don't talk about that stuff because right. it doesn't matter. It's you know how Tiba's doing and how her family is doing and our caring for each other is the priority and our love for each other. Well, the love for this one human being yeah outweighs everything. Yeah. Outweighs all the. It's been pretty powerful. It's, I'm sure it's been. And it shows that it can be done. People from different cultures, different religions, different anything. None of that matters because she wants the same thing for Tiba as we want for her. We're all on the same page. I have to say, you are a a really remarkable person to do what you did. It's really eye-opening. Most people would have never done this. Never even attempted to try. You just wanted to help in some way, shape, or form. Um, let alone end up bringing in somebody into your life and this becoming your daughter. Uh, I can't imagine the emotional ride that this has been for everybody over the last, mm-hmm. what is it? 13, 13 years. 13 years. 13 years. 19 surgeries. Is that still, 20. It's now 20. Yeah. So you, you've had, what is it, about one surgery every year at this point? No, there were a multiple surgeries in the first, I would say, what do you think, honey? Like first the couple of years. First few years. A lot at the beginning. Lot. Yeah, yeah. We really haven't had, uh, she had something, you know, recently, but in the past, what, five years maybe? Yeah, there's yeah. only been a few. Yeah, there hasn't been a lot. When did this become normal for you? When did this whole situation feel finally like this is home, this is mom, this is dad? This is where I belong. Um, normal? I, I don't know. I think there was never really that moment where I was like, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. It's just kind of like this is how it's always been, always will be. And like my mom says, like it's it's. I don't see it as two separate families. I see it as I spent like the first couple years of my life with the biological parents, my mom and dad who raised me in the beginning. And then I spent years with this other family who got to raise me after their work was kind of done with the really young um, part of childhood. But I don't know. It, it was, I guess, always normal. Have you ever seen the movie Life Itself? I don't it's think with I have. Um, Olivia Wilde. Have you and, seen that? Uh, no. Forget the guys. It's a really interesting movie i would recommend you guys you can watch on amazon prime okay it is really good and basically it's life itself and it's basically it shows different people's situations how it's the butterfly effect basically Mm -hmm. of life of the world Mm -hmm. and how every one person's movement is affecting either directly or indirectly everybody else's movements Mm -hmm. and it shows like these journeys of three different specific instances and how it all comes first full circle over the course of these people's mm-hmm. lives, someone out on the other side of the world, someone on one side of the country, someone on the other, but how all these things happen and they lead these people together. It's mm-hmm. it's very emotional. It's a great movie. I'd recommend you guys watch it. We will. We'll have lots of time now that everybody. I know. That's, there's nothing else to do right now. So. Yeah. But life itself. Life itself. So um, that's what this reminds me of because. It's incredible how such a tragic, horrific event 
could lead to two people or families really connecting mm -hmm. in the most unique powerful ways that you could ever even imagine this is you can't even write a movie about this i mean this is like the life itself kind mm -hmm. of thing how how this horrific event that happened to you before you were two years old led you to your mom into this life had that not happened who knows where your life would have been like do you ever have you ever thought about had that not happened would I even still be alive growing up in the society I grew up in and have you ever gone to like like that happened for the best I mean I either I either think that um, I would not have survived like childhood because of the society I lived in or that if I did I would definitely be married with a few kids by now but yeah so I mean everyone agrees that this is for the best you'd be married and that's civilization you get married right at what 18 or 12 12, 13. 12. yeah one of the issues we had with grandma was her uh, she kept wanting her to come back because she wanted her to get engaged to her cousin and this oh started like at 12 and 13 and her mom went crazy and absolutely not because her mom married a man that she really loves and wanted to be with it was not an arranged marriage so she wants the same thing for her daughter and her other and Tiva's siblings at home girls are getting married at 12 and 13 14 yeah I've never knew that mm -hmm. I never knew that mm -hmm. wow yeah and having kids and having not the kids very having much kids. later yeah having the kids having kids so um her and her mom did not want that for her but in um 2016 and i'll have tiba tell the story because it's gets too emotional for me but um we her mom was having some eyesight issues and so we thought that uh we had to figure out a way to reconnect because um, I felt that uh, when Tiba left, she was five, and she had her scars, and she was scared, and there was all that was going on there, and and I did not want her mom to lose her eyesight and not see her daughter as beautiful as she is today. So Tim and I, at the time, behind the scenes, were working on how are we going to do this. We can't go to Iraq. I can't get her into the States, because 2016, as you know, was like a volatile time here again. It right. was an election year. And so we figured out a way, and we um, thought we were going to meet. In, we ended up choosing Dubai because I, we could get her out of Dubai. They could facilitate the visas there. And I had a friend that lived there, and he could help to translate. At the same time, Tiba was uh, getting anxious and and sad I mean and rightfully so she missed her family she missed her siblings she wanted to see them and she was having a bad day and we got into an argument and it came out that it was all about this and bless her heart she didn't want to hurt my feelings by bringing up that she wanted to see her mom and I remember it very clearly I mean I told her I says oh my god you're supposed to feel that way and guess what we've been working on this and didn't want to say anything until we knew it could happen. So you guys are both working towards the same thing. Yeah, differently. So, yeah. but I'll let her tell you about yeah. it because it was such elaborate a great trip. on that if you could. Um. Well, like my mom said prior to the trip, I was, um, like when you asked me if there was a point where it became normal, it was like always normal. But there was a point where it became obvious to me that I had, kind of been, like plucked out of my culture and my life and my family and moved across the world and I think when that when that realization started setting in I um I really started to miss my family mm -hmm. um, I wanted to know more about who who I was when I was little about my family about my religion about my culture I wanted to know everything and um, I started talking to my mom more and engaging more because I got over my uh, anger, I guess, because I, I used to be angry because I thought she didn't want me. <clears throat> but, um, like, I grew up, and I realized that's the hardest thing a mother could do. So I started talking to her more, and she would tell me stories, and um, I became, like, very, just very aware of the fact there was a whole other 
part of me and on the other side of the world. Mm -hmm. So you wanted to see them, which makes a ton, ton. You knew that was coming at some point too. I would imagine over the years. Oh yeah, and, and we wanted is, it as well. Of course, right? You you yeah. want her to have that love and be able. To, you don't want her to feel stuck or, or yeah. strong armed, not being able to see her her family. Um, what was that encounter like? Um, it was really, it was very surreal. I remember uh, being in the apartment we got, and my fam, my mom and dad were going downstairs to get my family, <laughs> my mom and my siblings, and I was upstairs. I think I was. You're saying Barbara and Tim went to downstairs mm -hmm. to get to them. get Danny okay. the children, okay. and I was upstairs in the kitchen wiping off a glass. I think um, telling myself like this is no big deal. I don't know why you're like anxious. It's not like a date. Like calm down. <laughs> um, and then, just a few minutes later, Barbara and Tim, mom and dad, came upstairs, knocked on the door. Then my mom said, uh, "What'd you say, honey? We're honey, here. Yeah, mom's She's, here. No, no, no. You said, honey, we're here. And I was like, oh, they forgot something. Like, <laughs> okay. So I walk out, and I still have like the glass in my hand, and uh. Then there's like trail of people walk in. It's my dad, my mom. Then no, my not mom. your dad. No. Oh, you, Tim, you mean dad, I, I'm all confused. Barbara, this mom, right. Dunya, mom. Then the three kids, and all the adults are crying, and then the littlest sibling, Miriam, was in tears because she she didn't know what was going on, but people were crying, so she's like, I have to cry too. Yeah. <laughs> Follow the leaders. Yeah. Right? yeah. And so I was, <laughs> I wasn't crying. I was just standing there and like scared to move because it, it was like a dream it was like I had imagined that moment for so long and I didn't want it I didn't want to like wake up from the dream so I just wow. stood there and then my mom she because she always has any Arabic speaking parents call their children Habibi Habibti my mom always refers to me as Habibti and the first words out of her mouth was Habibti and her arms went up and she started walking towards me and I was just standing there and I, I don't even think I put my arms out and it wasn't me like rejecting her. It was just me like, wow, some, like it's coming at me. Like this is my mom. Um, but it was a really amazing time. And it felt like after the first hour or two of getting to know each other again and giving gifts and whatever, it felt so normal. Natural, like you yeah. pick up right where you left off all those years earlier. Yeah, like, cause even with the language barrier, like it, my siblings and I were talking and like reminiscing. And How weird is that? Like it was, yeah. it was so weird. Yeah. It was so weird, especially my little sister. Like I, I had never met her before, and I, I don't know. I can't imagine what she must have been thinking because all these years my family's been telling her like, you know, you have a sister on the other side of the world, and I don't like maybe she didn't believe them, mm -hmm. and here, sure. here I am, and she, I mean, it was crazy for both of us. One of the most powerful moment uh, of your life? Oh my gosh, yeah. We, yeah. um. Emotional, I mean, that had to be. But yeah. I, I was so. Everything about this trip had me um, thinking, you know, I'm older, what's her mom gonna think? Her mom was telling me, she had shared with me during that visit what she was afraid we were going to think and there was so many emotions and would she want to go back or would she want to stay and then I'd be mad at myself for thinking well of course she might want to go back it's her family I can't think like that so you know there's this tumult this whirlwind of of activity but her mom and I had gotten very very close over the years over the phone and through FaceTime and so Tim and I decided that we would go downstairs and greet her as opposed to having the reunion in the lobby, because that could be, you know, a mess. Right. That was so brilliant. we said, okay, we're going to go down there and greet her. Yeah. So Tim sits down, and I'm pacing back and forth, <laughs> you know, and thinking I'm going to be okay. And my friend picked her up, and he had texted me. He goes, I've got them. So I'm standing there, and I see the car come, and I see her profile. And I just started to cry, and I ran into the street, and the car's still moving, and she turned and saw me, and she jumped out of a moving car, and we just sat there and cried and hugged and cried oh and gosh. hugged, and the kids came out, and they're 
you know, they're crying and hugging, and they're not quite sure they're what's so going confused. on. Tiba's yeah. hanging out upstairs. And no she's upstairs, has right no now. idea that there is this scene in the middle of the street. Oh, my gosh. And her mom and I are like, we didn't let each other go. I mean, we held each other yeah. all the way up to the elevator. And um, it was just a... It was just a, it's still a very emotional thing for me to talk about because um, as much as I love Tiba, I also love her mom and her siblings. And I feel like my other half is someplace else with wow. other children that I also love. This is, uh, <clears throat> yeah, the, the dynamic, the conflict, the, the, the emotions, the, I'm, 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 I'm usually not at much of a loss for words, but this is one of those situations that leaves you somewhat speechless throughout. It's incredible that this has all unfolded the way it has, and you've got two families on complete opposite ends of the world who both wanted the best thing for you, which is why you ended up here. Your parents wanted was they could have been selfish. It sounds like and kept you there, mm -hmm. in a much worse situation, especially in the early years. And uh, they weren't. They did. They they put you before their own feelings, and then in came you and Tim and your family. We've had so many of those God moments where we know this is what we're supposed to be doing. Um, Tiba was still at the time five years old and. She was playing with all her dolls, and um, she. I said to her, what are their names? And she started calling them Sarah and Anna and Sarah and Anna, every one of them. And I asked her, how do you know those names? And she says, I don't know. I just like them. Well, again, you know, I start crying, and she tells me that, um, you know, she didn't know those names. And I told her those were the names of my grandmothers, Sarah and Anna, and they had died years ago. And yet, those are the two names she picks out of nowhere. That's so strange. It is strange. It's, it's like the thing with your yeah. the brother and the your yeah. mother. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing. But out of all of this, I mean, it hasn't defined Tiba. She does so much uh, outside work to give back and to give back to the community and things that we're involved in that help uh, kids in Iraq and. Um, and I think people are learning about that country because of her, and so she's making great um, inroads. What do you want to do? Do you know what you want to do with your life? Yeah, I want to go into the medical field. I, I used to want to be an anesthesiologist because it's a more lenient field and allows for women to have a life and a family outside their career. But I think I really want to be a pediatric oncologist or... OBGYN. I don't know yet. Wow. There's, wow. like, I love every field. Medical school's in your future, it sounds like. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> in some way, shape, or form. Well, she's got, she certainly has the grades. Where do you want to go to college? Undergrad. Um, I think Case Western. Okay. Nice. We're going to yeah. try to get her sister here. Uh, that's the goal, if we can do that. Things are really hard right now, but in my mind... I think um, she'd like to have her sister here. Her sister would like to come, and if we can make that happen. How old is your sister? Fifteen. Fifteen. Get her 16. here for forever. Wow. Because the boys in the village are trying to marry her, and my parents are paying them to go away or telling them, like she can't get married. Wow. So. So that's the next challenge and uh oh that's the next i chapter. see the look from mom over here uh, you know when she gets that mindset it's <laughs> that's it so i mean that's we're, it i mean i would be wild with excitement you know and i'm trying not to be because there's so many obstacles right now but you know i've got there's lookouts out there and we'll do everything that we can humanly do just when you thought you were you were moving into the phase in life right 13 years ago yeah. you and tim retiring right retiring yeah. and we're, we're not going to have kids and who could have you could never have imagined oh i would take them all if i could and could. I, I really could it's just it's overwhelming yeah. because it's overwhelming from a couple perspectives because of our age you know and you have a financial picture and a financial plan but yeah. you know we talked about it recently and it's like what difference does it make you know, we 
would love Fatuma just course, as much as we love Tiba, and it would be great for her. And so if it can happen, we're going to make it happen. It's just so ironic how life works out, again, because June of 2006, your, li your life is just moving on oh, yeah. in li everyday life. Yeah. And then one day, middle of July, um, your life, you have no idea that what that picture leads is going to change the course of your life forever mm -hmm. and the course of your life forever, yeah. the two of you. It's just a beautiful connection. It's a really remarkable dynamic. Um, the book, it's been out for about a year, mm -hmm. Brave Face, mm -hmm. a brave face, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. Um, is there anything that you wanted to mention about the book? People can get it on Amazon. We'll, we will link it up in the show notes. Is there anything in particular in the book that you covered that we didn't have a chance to talk about? Well, the book is written from three perspectives, mine, Tiva, and her mom in Iraq. She oh, had wow. a part okay. in it. I particularly love her chapters. Um, they were we didn't change how she worded things, so it's her emotions every single word, uh, and it's um, it's a very powerful book. We have gotten incredible reviews on Amazon and on Goodreads. Uh, I saw President Trump's a fan of the book as well. Yeah, huh? that was yeah. pretty cool. And in fact, one day we had a phone call to. Um, it was in 2017, early 2017, if we wanted to meet uh, Vice President Pence. So we had an opportunity to, just her and I, meet him, just us, and go on Air Force Two. And wow. So we've had a lot of great opportunities and things going on. And uh, as far as the book goes, you know, we're trying to do something where it's not just being on these random TV shows to sell it. Right. It's doing something that's going to move the country forward and move people forward into doing good things and and giving back in other ways and having people open to each other. Um, but we've got great reviews and of course, you know, with everything that's been going on now, all kinds of plans that we had to uh, do you know, book presentations. We were going to be speaking at the Children's Miracle Network. Everything's been canceled. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, hey, That's people can said, just so go, now they can go read. Go order it on Amazon, or you can order it. I'm sure in multiple places oh, online, yeah. right? Yeah. Or you can go to the bookstores. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you're hunkered up for a while. Go go read this read amazing, mesmerizing, incredible story. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it's incredible. I really appreciate it. I've been wanting to have you on for a while, and uh, I was very excited when you said you wanted to come on because. I remember, I think I met you guys at a function years ago. Um, my parents were involved. Right. And you guys were, it was at the Cleveland Museum of Art for right. something. I can't remember what we were yeah, sitting around the table. That was for Rainbow. Was it? Okay. It was probably a Rainbow event or something. And that was a while ago. I yeah, they do the, six, that Society back. of 1866 every year. They have yeah. that. So yeah, that's it was what a while it was. since we saw you there about that. So, uh, and, and then here we are today. Um, so this is beautiful. Thank you guys for sharing your story. Continued success. Can't wait to see where you end up with school and medical school. and Thank you. The impact that you're going to have on this society and, God willing, the society back at home. Seems like you could be a, a tremendous bridge between two very, very different cultures. Hopefully. Yeah. So thank you, ladies. Yep. Appreciate great. it. Great. Thanks a lot.